The head of the Ocean Service travels to Florida for the first ever Coastal City Summit. Red tides are declared a disaster in New England, and marine forensic experts at work. Those stories are coming up today. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. National Ocean Service Assistant Administrator Jack Dunnigan was at the first ever Coastal City Summit in St. Pete Beach, Florida this week. The event was hosted by the International Ocean Institute. There, Dunnigan talked about what NOAA is doing to keep our coast safe, healthy, and productive. So what are we doing? Well, here are just a few of the highlights from the past year. I'm going to start off with an amazing fact for you. The coasts make up only 17% of our nation's land, but over 55% of us live there, and that percentage is getting bigger every year. So with all these people squeezed into such a small area, there's intense pressure from pollution as these coastal urban areas get bigger and bigger. In response to this, Ocean Service members were involved in research over the past year to manage the growing problem of bacteria and disease in coastal areas. One result of this research was the prediction of larger-than-normal harmful algal blooms in the Gulf of Maine, which we're going to talk about next, and the prediction of the largest dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico over the summer. These predictions help local communities prepare for these events. And don't forget that the coasts are also where the ports are, places where all the ships come and go that keep our economy moving along. So from surveying work to installing current meters to keeping the nation's nautical charts up to date, a lot of the work at the Ocean Service goes into keeping this traffic flowing smoothly. But that's not all. Our coasts are also on the front line for threats like hurricanes, flooding, and invasive species. One project high on the NOAA agenda is to develop a national ocean monitoring system to help us better understand and forecast ocean and coastal changes, things like sea level rise and habitat loss. This year, more of that system fell into place. The Ocean Service installed four hurricane-hardened structures at sea to measure and monitor the effects of extreme coastal storm events. These devices were installed in the Gulf Coast region of the U.S., which we all know is an area under threat from powerful hurricanes. And speaking of threats to our coastal communities, the Department of Commerce announced this week that harmful algal blooms in New England over the past year have led to a commercial fishery failure. This paves the way for federal assistance. And by the way, harmful algal blooms are what most people call red tides. Scientists generally prefer the term harmful algal bloom. So most shellfish have been closed off to harvesting after tests showed the presence of the blooms. While some closures have been lifted, there are still a lot of areas that are closed today. The natural disaster began in the waters off Massachusetts back in May and spread north from there into the waters of New Hampshire and Maine. As I mentioned earlier in the program, the Ocean Service predicted that the New England bloom would be a bad one this year. Scientists at NOS have been tracking and studying these blooms for years. They've been trying to figure out how to detect and forecast red tides ahead of time so communities can plan for them. So what exactly is a harmful algal bloom anyhow? Well, first it's important to note what an algal bloom is. And algae that make up blooms are tiny little ocean plants. And sometimes they grow out of control, thus the word bloom. Now, important thing to note is that not all algal blooms are harmful. In fact, most of them are beneficial because the tiny plants uh, feed animals in the ocean. In fact, they're the major source of energy for the ocean food web. Sometimes when the algae blooms, though, they also produce harmful toxins as they, as they grow out of control. And these toxins can harm people and fish, shellfish, marine mammals, even birds. For people, it's rarely fatal, but it can make people seriously ill. And one last note on algal blooms, sometimes even the blooms that aren't toxic can harm marine life. 
And this problem occurs when non-toxic algae grow out of control in really large quantities. And when these masses of algae die and decompose, the decaying process can eat up all the oxygen in the water. And that causes the water to become so low in oxygen that animals in the area either have to leave or they die. So it's a very complicated thing that's going on out there in the ocean. And scientists throughout NOAA are trying to figure out how it happens, why it happens, and when it's going to happen again. And it's important to note it's not just about New England. Harmful algal blooms have been reported in almost every U.S. coastal state. And finally today, we're going to talk about a little-known part of the National Ocean Service. It's called the Marine Forensics Program. Experts in this unusual program just finished up their latest case. They used DNA analysis to find that four small carvings were made of moose bone. They got the carvings from a NOAA fisheries agent because it was suspected that the small works of art might be made of whale. And if the carvings were made of whale bone, that would be a violation of federal laws created to reduce the harvesting of marine mammals like whales and walruses. In this case, the forensic team avoided needless prosecution, and that saved time and money for NOAA field agents, for attorneys, and for the defendant in the case. Now let's take a closer look at the Marine Forensics Program. The group's mission began back in the 70s after Congress passed a series of acts to protect fisheries, marine mammals, and endangered species. After those acts were passed, the problem then arose of how to enforce the laws. NOAA field agents suddenly found themselves with uh, samples in their hands, and without the fins, scales, and heads attached, it was pretty much impossible for them to tell if the samples came from regulated species or not. And the Marine Forensics Program was born from that need. And since the 70s, the program has changed a lot. In the beginning, the lab only performed very simple protein-based analysis of fresh sea turtle meat. Today, they use cutting-edge DNA and lipid analyses to test tissues and trace evidence from a really wide range of animals. When bits and pieces of animal tissue are brought to the lab for testing, the experts there draw upon an in-house archive of over 10,000 samples. These samples come from hundreds of species that have been collected over 30 years to help them in their identification efforts. But they don't just do the science. They also spend a lot of time and effort ensuring that the evidence they produce will stand up in court. The evidence that comes to the lab is handled, actually, in much the same way that evidence is handled for criminal cases, like that stuff you see on television shows like CSI. And the experts in the lab are also trained to testify in court, where they may get called upon to appear as expert witnesses in some cases. One last note about the marine forensics program. Not all the cases handled in the lab involve endangered species. They're also called upon to investigate seafood substitution cases. So what is that? Uh, well, let me give you an example. They may test a fish fillet labeled as a grouper, for example, and it's suspected that it might actually be Vietnamese catfish. So why would someone mislabel a fish fillet? Well, it all has to do with money, of course. For our grouper example, Vietnamese catfish are subject to import tariffs in the U.S. to keep producers from overloading the U.S. market with these low-cost fish. So sometimes these fish are mislabeled as grouper because there aren't any grouper tariffs, and grouper fetch a higher market price. Illegal seafood substitutions like this are serious criminal violations, and they can result in large fines and jail time. If there aren't any penalties for visiting our website, we're at oceanservice.noaa.gov. And next week is Thanksgiving, so a lot of Ocean Service employees will be heading off to spend time with their families and loved ones. Instead of your regular weekly news, we're going to bring you a special segment about our nation's marine highways. So as you head out to the store to buy your holiday supplies, we'll give you some food for thought about the role that marine transportation plays in getting those supplies to the store shelves. Well, that's all for this week. Let's bring in the ocean.
This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. See you next week.